0: Uh, We do want to get right into the word, but I've had several people just say, hey, can you just give us a little bit of an update on Japan? So, as Pastor Matt mentioned this morning, we're hoping to return to Japan next month by faith, if God allows that. And as long as the doors remain open, which it looks like that's going to happen. So, thank you for your prayer for that to happen. And just briefly, some of you may know that Destiny Church has a network of churches in Japan called Next Town's Missions. And I don't know if Archie Alderson's here tonight, but Brother Archie helped start many of those churches along with John Bell, and they're still going strong today. So we're working with many of those churches over there, teaching, discipling, teaching English, and using this as a a platform to share the gospel. Uh, Many cities in Japan, believe it or not, in 2022, have no church. Many cities only have one small church of about 20 or 25 people. Less than 1% of Japanese are Christian. Now, I know that our country needs a lot of work, and we're believing and praying for America too. But definitely, the nation of Japan needs your prayers as well. So pray that as we serve over there, that God would use us to bring people to Jesus, to get plugged into the church and we believe that God's going to do great things in Japan. Amen? Now, we love San Antonio. As Mark was saying, I grew up in San Antonio. This is home to me. I like sushi, but I love beef fajita tacos. So for me, uh, it's definitely this is our home, and we love being here and spending this time with you during this season. So thank you for just welcoming us kind of back into the church family for this season. We've really enjoyed uh, just getting to talk to you and reconnect with so many of you. If you have your Bible, you're welcome to open to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. This is the passage we've been going through on Sunday nights. Our other main text is going to be Genesis 48. And we'll also be kind of skipping around and looking at some other passages in between those. We've been looking at the greatest people of faith in the Bible. And as you see these pictures, and when you think of the Hall of Faith, we're not looking at perfect people. You've already seen from our study that many of these people were were far from perfect. They were men and women just like us. And tonight, we'll be looking at Jacob's faith. And Jacob is definitely, of all the people in the Hall of Faith, he's definitely not perfect We saw a little bit of this last week when Pastor Matt shared. But he was a troublemaker from the beginning. His name actually means deceiver. That's what his actual name means, or supplanter. And yet, God is going to use this man, Jacob, to make him the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. My favorite definition of faith comes from Hebrews 11, verse 1. So if you've already got your Bibles open just a couple of pages over. And of course, that verse, uh, just a couple of verses back, it says, now faith, Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. We talked about earlier in this series that faith is obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. And this is really the common theme that we see in the chapter, that no matter what is going on in the world around them, No matter what the consequences are for them in their lives, faith is really at the heart of it, caring more about what God thinks than what about people think. And you guys know this is easier said than done. Can we have faith when we can't see or understand? When we're believing for something that can't even be seen? The founder of this church was a man named Leonard W. Coote. Some of you may have heard of him. He wrote a book called, Impossibilities Become Challenges. Have any of you read that book? And did you know that right now, there's a church in Osaka, Japan, that has been having every night for almost 100 years, has been having church. For over 100 years in the city of Osaka, Japan, a church started by Leonard Coote, the founder of this church. Now, was he anyone special? He, he was an atheist. He hated God. He made it his mission to read the Bible to disprove God. So he, he wasn't seeking God in any way, but God used him. And God revealed and saved him so that he could see and, and start things that this man who, who really was an enemy of God could do things that he could never even imagine. And even beyond his lifetime, there's still works going on today because of the faith, believing for things that he could not see. And just a few years ago, Pastor Matt was in that church and preached in that church, and that legacy is continuing today. But when you look at the people in the Hall of Faith, don't think that these were perfect people. Many of those in the Hall of Faith were considered failures in their day by the world standards. But God was faithful to them. And we looked at a couple weeks ago how God even made a nation out of Abraham, a man who was 100 years old when the son of the promise, Isaac, was born. And if God can bring life from a dead man, what can he do through you? And we look at the life of Moses. He parted the Red Sea from Moses. He saved Noah and his family from the flood. We see that nothing is impossible with God. So tonight's verse, our main text about Jacob, is in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21. So let's read that verse together and then we'll kind of take a step back and look at this verse in its context. But Hebrews eleven twenty-one 21 says, By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. I want to go back just a few verses, starting in verse 17. And I want, to, I want us to see it tonight where this verse fits into this larger passage. So Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 22. And, and this passage focuses on Abraham and his immediate offspring, his kids, his grandkids, and his great-grandkids. Hebrews eleven seventeen 17 through 22 says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said through Isaac, Shall your offspring be named? Verse 19, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. And by faith, Jacob... uh, Sorry, by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning... So next week, we're going to look at verse 22 the life of Joseph. But we see here that God first gave the promise to Abraham. And Isaac was the son of the promise to Abraham. And Isaac, he had two sons, Jacob and Esau. We know Esau despised his birthright. Jacob valued his birthright. Jacob was the younger son, but he received the blessing. And last week, Pastor Matt talked about the blessing that Isaac laid on Jacob and received from his father. And so we're going to pick up the story from there. What happens after that? Who is this person, Jacob? What becomes of that blessing? Did it ever come to pass? Did Jacob ever mature or grow or change? Uh, You probably know some things about Jacob's story, but we're just going to go through it and highlight it really quick because it's going to help us in our study tonight. But you may know that Jacob, after his father blessed him, he went to go work. For his uncle Laban to be able to find a wife and he sees this woman named Rachel and the Bible says that she was beautiful in form and appearance and obviously Jacob he wants to marry her Jacob you know he's not a very complicated guy he's very superficial Uh, but Laban says he must to in order to marry Rachel Laban tells him he must work for him seven years so what does Jacob do he agrees. And I don't know about you guys, but if I was Jacob, I would want to get that in in writing or something. Uh, Jacob is obviously a very trusting guy. Uh, But really, I think what it is, is that Jacob is the one who's used to tricking people. He thinks that he's the smartest person in the room, and he doesn't think anyone can pull the wool over his eyes. And so, you know, Laban's thinking, wow, this is a pretty good deal. Seven years of free labor. But, as we all know, what happened after seven years of hard work, Jacob had been tricked by his uncle Laban. He worked seven years to marry the beautiful Rachel, only to be tricked on his wedding night and given her sister instead. And somehow, in the morning, he realizes it was Leah, Leah, the undesirable younger sister. The trickster had been tricked. And and, Jacob, believe it or not, after all this, he still desires Rachel. And so his uncle Laban, always the deal maker, tries to sweeten the deal. He would be give, given Rachel as his wife immediately, but he had to work for another seven years. I mean, this, this uncle is not a very good uncle. Can we agree on, on that? He's not the, the nicest uh, uncle to have. Sometimes I think that God introduced Laban in this story uh, to help us uh, have a little bit more sympathy for Jacob and and to relate to him a little bit more. But in this narrative, something interesting we see is that both Jacob and Laban both were in this kind of lifestyle of of tricking and deceiving. And I think it's really interesting that God uses this somehow to advance his plan. And, And this is really God working through the weakness of man. When Jacob tricked Esau and received the blessing for himself, was that Jacob manipulating God's ultimate plan or was that God's plan all along? Really, God was using him to to fulfill his plan and the same we see with Laban. God worked through Laban to accomplish his purposes and from Jacob and Laban's daughters and their servants would come the 12 tribes of Israel, somehow from this messy situation. So while working for Laban, uh, real quickly, Jacob becomes a very skilled cattleman, farmer, livestock raiser. He has a large family. He has 12 sons. And we're going to talk about eventually those will be the 12 tribes of Israel. He becomes very rich. The blessing of Isaac that we talked about last week is beginning to come to fruition in his life. Uh, a few other highlights from Jacob's life. At one point, we see that Jacob even wrestled with God, or at least an angel or a man who came in the appearance of God. And that would have been interesting to see, don't you think, how somehow a man could, could uh, tussle with God somehow. But also through the years, another thing that we see in Jacob's story is that through the years he runs away from his brother Esau, who is seeking vengeance on his life. And we see many times where he's running and hiding But eventually he's able to reconcile with his brother. There's more we could talk about from Jacob's story, but there's one passage tonight that's especially important for our study, and that's in Genesis chapter 35, Genesis chapter 35, verses 9 through 11. So if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there real quick. We'll look at this. And and this is after Jacob wrestles with God. This is after he's reconciled with Esau. And this is the last part of Jacob's story before it kind of turns to Joseph's story in Genesis, so it says in Genesis thirty-five nine through eleven, God appeared to Jacob again when he came from from Padan Aram and blessed him, and God said to him, Your name is Jacob, no longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel, and God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you and kings shall come from your own body. So what an amazing promise that's given to him. But we see that that Jacob's name is changed from Jacob to Israel. We saw this happen with Abraham also. His name was changed from Abram to Abraham. And God changes his name to Israel and says that he will become a great nation. And also in this passage it says, Uh, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply a nation, and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. And this is really, you'll notice this is a restatement of what God told Adam and Eve to do, to be fruitful and multiply, to spread out on the earth. And God, his desire from the beginning is to raise up a righteous people for himself, a nation who will stand for his holiness, who will carry the banner of God and be proclaimed in all the earth. And this morning we sang that song, "Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop his plans?" And the answer to that is is, no one can. As the waters cover the sea, so shall the knowledge of his glory be. And Jacob believed God's promise to make him into a great nation. Uh, so in this verse of Hebrews, 11:21, back to our main verse in Hebrews, We're going to look at three aspects of Jacob's faith from this verse. So I want to read it for you again. It says in verse 21 of Hebrews 11, By faith Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. So the first thing we're going to notice about Jacob's faith is that he had faith in the face of death. It says, By faith Jacob, when dying. Faith is really essential to all Christians, but how many of you guys know it's even more so when we're facing death? This is when faith really matters. This is when the rubber really meets the road. And spoiler alert, all of us are going to die. Sorry if there's, if there's kids out there tonight. Obviously, we're all going to die at some point. It's either going to happen suddenly or slowly, and we'll realize it on our deathbed, but in the end, one way or another, we're all going to die. And sometimes we like to pretend that we live in this fantasy world where everything will kind of continue as it's always been. But one day, all of us will leave this earth. The richest, most powerful presidents, CEOs, dictators will all die. And many of them are trying to prolong that death as long as they can. They're trying to Uh, even do things like hook up their brain to a computer so that one day when technology advances far enough that maybe they'll have consciousness again after they die because the world is afraid of dying. But when we look at Jacob's life in Hebrews, Jacob didn't fear death. In the end, he was faithful. Like us, Jacob had a lot of problems. He was carnal. He was selfish. But it doesn't matter what's happened in your past. We all have a past. We all have areas where we have fallen short and areas that we wish we could change. But in the end, Jacob didn't place trust in himself. He placed his trust in the Almighty God and in and, and him and his life. He's an example to us today that when a Christian dies, it leaves a testimony to the world around us. Because the world is not able to face death in peace. You may have noticed that over the last couple of years. The world is not able to face death in peace. Is your future based on on wealth or social acceptance? Or is your future built on the rock solid word of God? During this crazy pandemic, we've seen a fear of death like never before. The world is terrified of dying. If you don't believe me, just go to H-E-B and just sneeze. Pretend you're sneezing really loud and just see what happens and the dirty looks that you'll get. But when Christians die, when we leave this earth, and especially when a Christian dies well, it's an example to the world because the world needs that assurance that we have. Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The wicked are afraid of their own shadow. But as Christians, we don't have to live in fear today. It's not always easy to live in this fallen world, but we know who holds our future. We know who holds tomorrow. And Jacob, he could have gotten to the end of his life and he could have said, God, you promised to do this. And you promised to do that. Why didn't you fulfill what you were going to say? What you said would happen. But Jacob was convinced of something. That his death would not stop God's purposes. Jacob didn't see every promise fulfilled in his life. In the natural, I think Jacob probably would have liked to see that happen. He would have liked to become the leader of that great nation. But on his deathbed, he fully trusted the word of god this was the anchor for his soul and and for us today like jacob we can place our trust in god's word isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 says the grass withers the flower fades but the word of our god will stand forever nations rise nations fall culture changes we see it changing all around us science even can change. We've seen this week dictionaries and definitions even have the possibility of changing and becoming something else. Even even the world around us. You look at mountains over the millenniums; they change shape and land takes on different forms. But there's one thing that never changes: the word of God never changes, and it's the truth that we can build our life on. There's a really uh, interesting verse in Malachi. Chapter 3, verse 6. And you, you can look it up. You can look up these verses or just write it down and look it up later. But Malachi 3 6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. So this verse teaches us a little something about the immutability of God. And this is the doctrine that God never changes, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this verse in particular makes a reference to Jacob. Jacob believed in the unchanging God. And this verse says that if God did change, we would all be consumed. It says in Hebrews that God is an all-consuming fire. If God woke up one morning and changed, then we would all be dead but we can build our life on on the word of God who doesn't change and on a God who doesn't change, and we can build our life on this truth. You know, if you think about death, that's probably people's number one fear is the fear of dying. And as Christians, if we're not afraid of dying, what else is there to be afraid of? We see this in the boldness that the Christians had in the book of Acts, that they were willing to get up in the public square and speak the truth, because they didn't care if someone threw them down and stoned them. They weren't afraid of dying because they knew the God who held their future. So, because of this, because we serve a God who doesn't change and his word doesn't change, we can face death whenever that is with faith instead of fear. And in this last couple of years, have taught us anything that we can't plan on our death being. 20 years from now or 40 years from now, we don't know how many days God has us here on this earth, but whenever it is, we can be prepared and have a peace knowing that God is with us no matter what happens. So the first thing we see about Jacob in this verse in Hebrews is that he had faith in the face of death. The next kind of area we're going to look at for a few minutes is that Jacob had faith in God's covenant. Let's go back to our main verse one more time. It says, Hebrews eleven twenty one. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. And we're going to zero in for a few minutes on the blessing of the sons of, jo- of Joseph. And this generational blessing we talked about a little bit last week was very important because it shows that Jacob affirmed the covenant. God had made a covenant with Abraham, and God had promised Abraham three things. The promised land, the creation of a great nation of descendants, and the blessing of the world through these descendants. Now, Abraham's son, Isaac, died not having received this promise. Jacob also is going to die not having received this promise. But Jacob, before he dies, wants to instill in his sons and affirm the covenant with them. And so it mentions Joseph in this verse, and there's a lot in the Bible about Joseph. We'll be studying him next week. But in the Bible, the Joseph story is the longest narrative in the Bible. And and Joseph is a very special person in the Bible and also to Jacob. Joseph was the son of Rachel, the wife of that we know Jacob really loved. And also because of all that, Jacob, the, all that Joseph went through in his life, he was sold into slavery, separated from his family, falsely imprisoned. There's a special blessing that Jacob is going to put on Joseph and his two sons. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 48. And this is where we see the story of Jacob blessing the sons of, of Joseph and blessing Joseph. And we're going to start by reading verses 3 through 6 of Genesis 48. Genesis 48, verses 3 through 6. And eventually, Jacob is going to bless all of his sons, but he blesses Joseph and his sons first with a special blessing. It says in verse 3, And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will make you a company of peoples, and will give you this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. And now for your two sons, who were born to you in the land of Egypt, before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. Ephraim, or Ephraim, and Manasseh shall be mine, as Reuben and Simeon are, and the children that you fathered after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the name of their brothers, their inheritance. So one of the key things that we see in this passage passage is that God elevates the position of Ephraim and Manasseh to that of full sons. Jacob had lost his son Joseph, thought he had died, but now God has given him two sons, a double portion in his place. Not only are they considered sons, but they're elevated to the position of Reuben and Simeon, the two oldest sons. And in the history of Israel, as you go through the Old Testament, Ephraim and Manasseh will be listed as two different tribes to replace the tribe of Joseph. And when you see the 12 tribes listed in the Bible, you'll see Ephraim and Manasseh listed with the other tribes like Reuben, Judah, Asher, Dan and the other tribes, they are considered full sons of Jacob and are even part of part of the 12 tribes of Israel. Let's go down to verse 14 of that chapter. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Jacob and said, It displeased him, and he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Verse 18, and Joseph said to his father, Not this way, my father, since this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. So at the direction of God, Jacob crossed his hands and reversed the blessings. And in the natural, this didn't make any sense. Even, even Joseph in this story tries to correct his father. Maybe he assumed that Jacob made a mistake like his father made a mistake, but he soon found out that Jacob uh, knew exactly what he was doing. And usually in those days, and even in our modern day, it's usually the older son who carries on the family legacy. But between Ephraim and Manasseh, Ephraim received the greater blessing, and he was the younger son. And we see this many times in the Bible, where David, the youngest son, was anointed king. Isaac was the son of the promise, not Ishmael. Jacob instead of Esau. And also Joseph was the second to youngest, was elevated Above his brothers. And we see that those that the world often overlooks, God raises up. And Jacob, he had faith that that nothing, not even crossing his hands against what the world would say is the best way to do it, could stop the plan of God. And we know that Jacob's faith in God's promise, it it wasn't just wishful thinking, something that he daydreamed about during the day, but that God fulfilled every promise that was given to him in the covenant. And in Luke chapter 1, verses, verse 33, we see the fulfillment of this covenant, Luke 1, And it says, he, and he's talking about Jesus, will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Jacob believed in God's promise to make him into a great nation, that God would continue The covenant to his sons and to his grandsons. Even though Abraham never received the promise, he never lived to see it. And Isaac, his father, never lived to see it. And Jacob never lived lived to see it, but he still had faith in God's covenant. And that continues even today in Jesus, the fulfillment of the covenant. So he had faith in God's covenant. And the third aspect of Jacob's faith that we're going to look at tonight is that his faith led him to worship. If you have your Bibles in Hebrew, let's go back to Hebrews 11, and let's read this main verse one more time. Hebrews 11, verse 21. And it says, By faith Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. You know, when you think about a staff, you think about a journey, and you think about all the stories that that staff could tell. And every mark carried a story, and every story told of the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness to Jacob through the years. Jacob knows that looking at his life, that that he brought nothing but trouble to the table. But God was faithful to him even during the times where he messed things up. And we see in Jacob's life, looking back at his life, he he remembers the time where Jacob, where God protected him from the vengeance of Esau. And he provided a family for Jacob that would eventually become the 12 tribes of Israel. And as he's sitting here at the end of his life, the staff probably reminds him of the day he lost Joseph and also the day that he got him back. And looking back at all the things that he'd been through in his life, the one thing that he turns to is that God is faithful through it all. And we can have faith because God is faithful to us. Certainly with Jacob, he was a person who in the natural had a lot of issues. But because he never gave up on God's word and never gave up on God's promises, he stood on the word of God that at the end of his life, the only thing that he wanted to do is turn to God in worship. Now, For all of us, whether we're young or old, we can look at through the, some of the things that God has brought us through. Uh, there's probably been good things that have happened to you, and you've, you've had a beautiful family, and God's blessed you with a home, and he's provided you with a job, but you can also look back at the heartbreak and the difficult times in your life. But through it all, during the good times and the bad, we can worship God for who he is and what he has brought us through. And maybe you're sitting here tonight and, and maybe you've neglected the good things that have happened in your life. And maybe tonight you need to turn to God and just acknowledge him and worship him. Because all the good things that happen in our life, it's not because of anything That we've done. It's all because of God and His goodness to us and everything that He's done for us. Uh, There's a verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It's a great verse. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. All of us in this room, as children of God, we were made. To bring him him glory. And we may be like Jacob at the end of our life. Maybe we won't be able to walk. We might not be able to do the things we used to do. We might be leaning on our staff a little bit. But through it all, we can still proclaim the faithfulness of God. Through trial, through heartbreak, through good times and bad, we can recognize him as God Almighty. He's our creator, He's Savior. He has made a covenant with his people and he will never turn his back on that covenant. So in this verse in Hebrews as Jacob bows in worship, he's demonstrating his dependence on God. And, And whether you're nine years old in this room tonight or you're 99 years old, which I don't think there's any 99 years people who are 99 years old tonight right now. But whether you're old or whether you're young, we are dependent on God. And and all of us today are here on equal footing. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor or a missionary or if this is your first time to church tonight. All of us are dependent on God. I'm just as dependent on God as, as my kids are. And really, as we get older, we realize how much we are dependent on God, that there's nothing in our own strength that we can do to even make it through another day. So as Jacob is kind of in his last days and last moments, he wants to leave his family with a legacy of depending on God. And hopefully we can do, all, do that for our family as well, uh, that when we get older, we don't get less dependent on God because We're successful because we're rich, uh, like Jacob just turned out to be in this story. He didn't look at himself and say, well, this is because of me, and this is because of the skills that I have. But he gave all of the credit to God. And, And Jacob knows that when he dies, that God holds the future of his family. And that's the same for us, that God holds the future of your family. It doesn't depend on the economy. It doesn't depend on your job. It doesn't even depend on there being peace and stability in the world. Uh, If you look on the news in March 2022, none of those things are looking that great right now. So we can't place our trust in any of those temporal things. One day we will die. It could be 80 years from now, or it could be next year. We don't know, but we know who holds our future. Hebrews 12, 28, I want to read another verse from Hebrews, says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And thankfully, we're not part of the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of this world is, is vanishing, it's disappearing. But God's kingdom cannot be shaken. And like this verse says, offer God, this is what we do when we come into the house of God, is we offer him acceptable worship with reverence and all. We don't worship God lightly or flippantly, but in full consideration and understanding of who he is, that he's a holy God, he's an all-consuming fire. And this is the aim of our life, is to offer our lives to a God who doesn't change, because our lives are not built on the foundations of this world, but on a kingdom that cannot and will not be shaken, even when the physical world may be falling in around us. So look to God. He was faithful to you yesterday. He's faithful to us yesterday, and he will be faithful to you tomorrow. God is is good to his people and he will never allow his promises to fail. Just like with Jacob and his family. God will not allow his promises and his word to not come to pass. Uh, Colossians 3:17, read another verse from Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And again, it's talking, it's talking about worship that we don't get the credit for what happens. In our life, it says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So, whatever it is in your life, whether it's a a big accomplishment that you've had or a a small accomplishment that you've had, whatever you've done in word or deed, we always have to look at ourselves and make sure that even in our own hearts, that we're not giving. Ourselves, the glory, ourselves, the credit, but at the end of our life, and even in our life where we are right now, that we acknowledge God and give thanks to God for what He's done because our very existence depends on Him, the Creator God, our loving Father. And through Jesus, through the cross, we have access to the Father. And through the power of the Spirit, we have the strength to face today, to face tomorrow, to face the things that the culture and the world is sending our way. But our attitude is to, to humbly worship and submit to our holy, our perfect and righteous, almighty God. So in this verse, again in Hebrews in 11:21, it says, By faith Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. So we see that Jacob, he had faith in the face of death. He had faith in God's covenant, and his faith led him to worship. And faith isn't easy. I think faith is is a word that's kind of a little bit easy to throw around, but everyone, uh, I think, would have some difficulty with this, this issue of faith. But if you step back for a second and Think about your life and all the things that we place faith in without even realizing it. Uh, When we go to the bank and we put money in the bank, we we put that money in trusting and believing that it will be there and that the systems will work the way that they're supposed to. Even when you get in your car, when you came in tonight, you got in that car with faith. Uh, You don't know how that car works. You don't really know how the mechanics happen and how uh, it can get you from one place to another safely. You can't trust the drivers around you, that they're, that they're in control of what they're driving. And if you look at all these things, people place their trust in many things that we don't always need or can trust as well as we can trust in the Word of God. And some people put their faith in government. Some people put their faith in science. Some people put their faith in education. And all of those can be good things, too. But for you and your family, what do you want to make the foundation of your life? What will your family's future be built on? And and looking at this person, Jacob, he's someone who built his life on God's word. He walked in faith, believing things in things that he had not even seen. And, And Jacob, he had a lot of problems in his life. He fell short. He was a deceiver. He was a trickster. He was a supplanter. He tried to mess things up on his own in so many ways, but God still used this man, this imperfect man, and changed his name from Jacob to Israel and made him to the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. So what can God do with you today? You may be looking at your past and looking at all the things that you've done wrong and all the ways that you've messed up, and you may look at your life and say, really, what can God do with me? But if God can take this deceiver, Jacob, and make him into a nation, there's no limit to what he can do with you. So place your trust in him today. Even at the end of his life, when Jacob was dying in Egypt in a foreign land, he was Far away from the promised land. He was on the other side of the world that God had promised to him and to Abraham and to his family. But he still stood on God's promises and he had faith even beyond death. And as we saw in this verse, he blessed Jacob. He blessed Joseph and his sons when he was old and dying. He never stopped believing in God's covenant and the promises. And uh, Abraham passed kind of passed the baton on to Isaac, and Isaac passes the baton on to Jacob, and and Jacob does the same to Joseph, and Joseph does the same for his son. And we also are inheritors of that promise today. We continue to pass on the word of God and the promise to our sons and daughters. And today we have a new and better covenant. The promise for us today, Hebrews says, is even better than the promise that Abraham was given. It's the promise of salvation, of redemption for those who cling to the cross. I'm going to read a short passage in closing in in Isaiah chapter 53 and verses 5 through 6. And it's a famous passage, prophetic passage about Jesus. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Verse six, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So we place our trust in Jesus today in the hope of the cross and of the resurrection, the better promise that's been given to us. We were dead in our sins. Like Jacob, we were totally lost. But he brought us back to life. And one day, it even says that we'll be able to rule and reign with him. He gives us more than we deserve. He elevates us to the positions of sons and daughters. And in studying this chapter... Hebrews 11 all of these people died without having received the promise in their lifetime. So will you believe even when you cannot see? You know, none of us have physically seen Jesus or seen the cross or seen the cross, but we believe in faith in the promise that's been passed on to us. Everything that God said would happen. With Jacob and his family and Abraham and his family, all of it came to pass. All of it took place in his perfect timing. So just as he was faithful to them, he will be faithful to you for those who put their trust in him. So today, don't build your life on the world's way of thinking or doing things, on the world's foundations, but build your life on the foundation of God's Word, because it's the only thing that you can wake up in the morning and hold on to and know that no matter what, nothing in God's Word is going to change, and all of it is going to come to pass. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and let's close with a prayer tonight, and then we're going to have a a worship song in closing. Lord, we thank you for this passage in Hebrews that you've helped us to look at tonight in the life of Jacob and his faith and, and how he trusted in you and in the promise that you passed on to him from his, father, from his father. And even in the face of death, looking eternity in the eye, he never wavered in his faith in God's promise, even though he never saw it come to pass in his lifetime. And all of us today, just like Jacob, we look back on our life, on the good things, the bad things, and we give you worship and we give you praise for who you are and what you've brought us through and where you're taking us. And and we know that every promise that you've made in your word will come to pass. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins so that we could be rescued from our sins, just like Jacob, who was lost he was a deceiver. His identity was just one of messing things up, and that's the same for us. We offer our lives to you today, this morning, and we thank you for dying on that cross, that you were bruised, you are crushed for our sins and for the things that we've done. All of us in here tonight uh, are on equal footing. We all fall short of the glory of God, and we just submit to you today And we give our life to you and our family's life to you. We don't want to trust our family to to any other thing in this world, but to you and your promises and what you've said in your word. We thank you for this time tonight. And we pray that we would leave here full of faith for what you have done and what you're going to do. And we just thank you for uh, this great gathering tonight of God's people that we can worship and fellowship together. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.